do you have any suspicions of why you're here? A- any, any guesses? Um, no. I mean, I I had like a couple of thoughts, but they all just kind of seemed like, why the fuck would he do that? Do uh, you, Do you want to say them? You don't have to. Well, I was like, I was like, is he is he like doing some weird like musical experiment on the podcast? Like writing yeah. a song with each of us? Frank Zappa. It'd be really funny to do it with Adam. Yeah. <laughs> But that's why I kept telling everyone the Adam episode's going to be like pulling teeth, trying to get him to talk, just him and me. Well, I, I mean, sure, but if, I mean, if, if it's if it's writing a song with Adam, it'll be like no idea what to do. He might be the best at <laughs> that's it. That's true. He could he could have just like a bunch of fucking hidden ideas that we have no yeah. idea about. All right. Any other wild no, guesses? No, no, no. What did you listen to on your way up here? Uh, Down Dear, here. Dear Evan Hansen and, and Biddy Bam. Okay. That's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about your favorite band. So my idea for this series was we always shy away from talking about our favorite bands mm-hmm. in the normal episodes because that's going to get boring because we're always listening to our favorite bands. And this is a chance for me to get to uh, better know you musically and just let you talk about Between the Buried <laughs> and Me. But here's the thing is I'm going to give you an option. You're the only person I'm giving this option. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you know. I'm prepared for Between the Buried and Me, but I will give you the option. We could also talk about Sarah Bareilles. No, I think I think Biddy Bam is, is good. Yeah. Just because just it's fresh on my mind. Okay. So, yeah. Thank this is God. It's great. <laughs> I was so worried that you were going to say Sarah Bareilles, and I was just going to have to, like, okay, so, like, this prog question right here is not going to make sense. <laughs> So the idea of this is it's really your episode. Um, I have some stuff written down that can kind of guide us, but like, you know, I'm, I want you to have an unabridged talking session about your favorite band and I'll try and guide it, but this is all about you. You don't have to give a history of the band unless that's what you're into. Sure. Um, if you want to just talk about the band, let's get into. So let's start with the easiest question. How'd you get into Between the Buried and Me? And maybe we should set a ground rule. Do we want to call them... What? I'll just I'll just I'll just say like Biddy Bam or BT Bam, and that okay. will always be between the buried and me. I'm always going to say BT Bam because okay. I hate it when they Biddy say Bam. Biddy Bam. They say BT Bam, and I like as as a fan, I always thought it was Biddy Bam. And then when I the first time I heard one of them say BT Bam, I was like, what the fuck? It sounds so weird to me. But it sounds it I mean it it seems more correct than Biddy Bam, but it's just in my head now. We're gonna shave the time of this episode by like a third if we just. Don't say between the buried and me every, <laughs> every single time. time. Yeah. So how did you get into Biddy Bam? So when I was like, it's like the mid 2000s. Um, I was in high school and I was getting really into metal. I think I've talked about it before on the show at some point about like, I remember it, sitting in choir my freshman year and uh, like the senior in the, in the, in the choir that was sitting next to me had an acoustic guitar and played symphony of destruction on it. And I was like, that's fucking cool. And that's, how I was introduced to heavy music. And so then just along the way, because of the mid two thousands, I was into like, I started getting more into like, like the hardcore scene and stuff like that. And Biddy Bam always kind of didn't really know where they landed in terms of like, like they still don't really know like where they land. They're a prog metal band for sure, but they don't tour that way. And they, they've always like their, their first two records are like metalcore records. They're like heavy as fuck. And they're not, particularly proggy so when colors the first colors came out they were touring that record and they were playing it front to back and uh someone invited me that i had just met they were like come see biddy bam live 
And I was Wait, like, on the color store. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, I was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, so you fucked I up. I fucked up. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize it until way later down the road because I was like, oh, I don't really like, I don't know who this is. I'm like still into Chiodos and like a day to remember. And I haven't really gone out too far past this kind of thing yet and gone into the realm of Biddy Bam. And then some, there, there was some moment where I like something clicked whenever I heard the intro to colors and it's the piano intro and it's really great and they get super heavy and it's just, just a beautiful record front to back. But point being that a couple years later when I'm finally into it, I'm scrolling back through my MySpace messages and that's where the invite was. And I'm like, I was invited to go see this. Oof. What a fucking dumbass. That's What's the worst. wrong with me? <laughs> I know that I've looked at like festival lineups that I've been to. Like, I think I went to like 2013 Austin city limits and I look at all the bands that are on there. It's like, Kendrick Lamar, uh, like when he had just gotten big and like Tame Impala before they got into like what they are now. And I was just like, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of just like funny to look back and be like, what the fuck is like, what was high fucking thinking? And then it just, at some point, like that whole band just stuck with me forever. And like, no matter, no matter what year, no matter how much I grew out of whatever, cause you know, you grow out of listening to stuff and you know, you go back and you listen to stuff you liked when you were younger and you might be like, oh, I still like this, but it's not the same thing as as really listening to something a bunch, right? And Diddy Bam always stayed with me. So Colors 1 stuck with me hard, and then when Great Misdirect came out, that stuck with me hard. I, I think the, the clearest memory I have of an album coming out of theirs is Parallax 1 and Parallax 2, and those ones just, like, ruined me. I listened to those ones forever and ever and nonstop. You're not the only friend that I have who has between the buried and me um as their like top echelon artists and i remember hearing them about them like pretty much since like elementary school from my friend keaton and you've met keaton yeah he uh was always mentioning it and i never listened to them well and it's the thing where i like so recently with the release of colors 2 i have found that and and this 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 album you know however long it's been out for it I will, I will never suggest it to a person. We talked about this recently. I will never suggest this album to a single fucking person because it's so, and it's the same thing with most of their stuff. Like, this is the problem. I have a favorite band that I don't want anyone to listen to because I know the patience of most people and I also know what most people are interested in when they listen to music. And Biddy Bam doesn't offer that for most people. It's a, it's a thick listen. They're doing a lot of bullshit and they're, they're sometimes like joking around and it's kind of hard to pick up on if it's a joke or if it's cringy or maybe it's all, maybe it's both. I don't know. It's very strange. How do you think I felt whenever I ended up liking that Lingua Ignota record? <laughs> I was like, wow, I really like this. I can't show this to anyone. It's, it's tough. It's, it's a really, it's a really weird spot to be in. And, and I have like, I have like very clear memories. I think I've talked about this too, where like, you know, a lot of people uh, don't for a long time, I guess there's still some now probably, but a lot of people don't really consider or didn't consider metal music. And I have very vivid memories of playing Biddy Bam in my car with friends and then being like, do you even know what they're fucking saying? Like, this isn't even music. And I'm like, this is more music than you could ever music. Like, what are you, are you serious? This episode might be just a PSA to not be <laughs> shitty to your metalhead friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you jumped around on a couple topics that I already, sorry, you sorry. know. Had, no, no, that it, it just means that you'll be able to talk to them. One of them was, you know, like you've been into Biddy Bam for a while. 
And do you have any life events or personal moments that you tie back to the band or their music? I have a, I'm very strange with memory because I don't really associate like moments in my life with music. Like I can think about when I heard X thing for the first time, but it doesn't make me think about like a specific emotion or anything like that. The song always gives me that. But I, I will say that one of the times that I saw Biddy Bam was at the door in Dallas, RIP. Which tour was this? Was this the Great Misdirect? It would have been the Great Misdirect, yeah. Yeah, Keaton was at that show too. He talks about uh, Dusty, is that mm-hmm. his name? Uh, walking in the back when like the opening band was playing with his ear fingers in his ear like a cartoon, like with a frowny face. Yeah, yeah. and Dusty at that show also. <laughs> the, I mean, for those who don't know, The Door was a very small venue in Dallas. And they didn't have like protection of the stage, so you could easily do the crowd surfing thing, easily like just jump on stage. So there was a lot of crowd surfing at one moment. Someone lands on Dusty's pedal board in the middle of a song. And Dusty is like a pretty short, stocky dude. And he takes a step back, lifts his leg straight up and just kicks him. Like, just like, just like super kicks him off the stage. <laughs> Everyone in this band also is very composed. Except yeah. like maybe Tommy the singer, even him for a singer, he's pretty composed. Like he's not up there like flailing around. Yeah. He's not being Gigi Allen. Yeah. But like everyone's pretty composed. So to see him move from staring at his fretboard doing this really technical stuff to like, okay, cool. I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, exactly. It is fucking hilarious. But that show. So I, at that point in time had just started, not just, but I was like playing music more and I was gigging more with my band, the floor is lava. And at that point you start to like learn more about how shows work. And I'd played the door. (laughs) This is the cringiest thing. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. This is like legit. Uh, hot scoop so first i tried to get up on stage and i offered blake help (laughs) oh no that's the drummer (laughs) yeah and i I got i got like he was like uh and like their manager was like you gotta get off stage you gotta get off stage (laughs) it was so uncomfortable do you wake up in the middle of the night that's one of those that's one of those that's one of those moments where you where you wake up in the middle of the night like that that shitty thing that happened in eighth grade sheesh Sheesh. and uh yeah so i asked him for help he said he was very awkward and then um yeah so then i just waited at the stage and got pictures with all of them so at least it turned around some way (laughs) That's so funny that you did that. It's so oh bad. Oh my god! It was <laughs> you knowingly did that. Yeah, because I was like, I, in my head, I'm like, I, I know he doesn't need help, but I'm gonna offer help. I'm gonna go to him and go, hey, can I help carry your drums? I know carrying drums sucks. This is can can I help you in some way? Nope, cannot. <laughs> yeah, but uh. but those shows are the like some of those moments at those shows are some of like the best show moments that you can possibly imagine because they, their songs tend to be longer. Like they're a prog band. So they tend to have songs that lean more towards the eight minute mark, sometimes longer. So like, and they, and they do what they play pretty much straight through. They don't really talk. They, they don't, even if they're not playing an album, they don't stop in between and go, thanks for being here. We're between the buried and me. They just keep going. Yeah. And so you have these just like, just, just nonstop of like an hour and a half or maybe an hour or whatever long the set is of just intense music and the, all the moments you were waiting for happen and you leave just like you never would have expected. And the first time, the first time that I brought my fiance Kara to a show, 
I, I was like, you're not going to like this, but I want to share this with you because this is really important to me. It was between the buried and me and animals as leaders. It's a lot. And she like totally dug it. Like she doesn't like, like bitty band, but she was like, I get it. I get, I get the energy. It was, it's super cool. And on that tour, they were covering Bohemian Rhapsody, which was very funny. Yeah. So I, I remember the first time I saw them, I've only seen them twice, but like they were opening up for Coheed and Cambria, my favorite band. And that was like, apparently by like, they had something screw up with like their support or something for the Parallax 2 tour. Yeah. And they basically ended up like jumping on that tour last minute. Like I think Coheed or their management, like did them a solid. I was like, cool. Like you got fucked over on your tour. Just come, come join us. And I, I remember during their set, I was like, I've heard so much about this band and I hadn't listened to them. And then like it, there was parts where I was like, yep, this is an extremely progressive like metal band. And then like they would have these passages. I don't know what songs they played at that show, but they had these passages where I'm like, this is fucking carnival music. What yeah. is this? Yeah, It was so weird. And that was like whenever they would have those sections of the carnival music, quote unquote, that's when people went the hardest. Yep. It was so strange for me. And I was like in the back of this show and I was like, this is just bizarre. I have to check this band out. So the, the one of their biggest songs, it might honestly be their biggest song on Spotify, a song called Voice of Trespass. Well, um, what is that? You're, once again, you jumped ahead to a question I was going to ask. What is that song? I, I've listened to not all their music, uh-huh. but a good amount. This isn't a deep dive. Uh-huh. I didn't go back yeah, and yeah, listen yeah, to all of yeah. it, but... What song is that? It's the metal. It's the metal jazz one. It's the it, so it's off of um, Automata Two, which was the a record that came out two or three years ago, I guess. Yeah. This was like their dumbest actual marketing like ploy they ever did. Which I don't know if it was their call. They just got signed to Sumerian when it happened, and they decided that they were going to uh, like release an album in two parts. But it they were each thirty minutes, so it was like this is just and this is dumb. <laughs> it was really annoying for like like from our perspective as fans, it was like, cool. Automata one ended as if it was going into another song. This is so stupid. But so Automata two had voice of trespass and voice of trespass is this swing metal jazz thing has horns. And it it, it sounds something like, it's like distorted guitars doing that with horns. I've showed it to a lot of jazz musicians and they're like, what the fuck is the point of this? This is so stupid. But metalheads and bitty bam fans loved the fuck out of that song so last time that i saw them i was with dave and uh dave does not like that song because he's a jazz guy right so that song comes on and i have never seen a bitty bam crowd go like harder over this like it's a it's a it's a noodly song there's like there's like a whole drum solo section, a bass solo section, but it also is like heavy. I mean, everyone was going fucking nuts. And I look over at Dave and he's just like, fuck this. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, again, you can't ever decide if it's like cringy, cool, or like intentionally funny. Like if it's like a bit and that song felt intentional, but also like, what the fuck? <laughs> so like a lot of their music, like, you know, and stepping away from the live component of the band, a lot of their records, in fact, most of them have like these really smooth segues between the songs that make the whole album feel like one large body of work. How much does that play into it for you? Like, do you, you know, you're talking about Colors 2, which is like an hour and a half long, which I've listened to most of it, not mm-hmm. all of it, but I assume 
if you just put it on, like obviously MP3 wise, because it, that's the thing that sucks about the vinyl releases of these is like you got to flip them. It doesn't yeah. work as well. But that's the way that I'm going to listen to it front to back because I yeah. haven't actually done a sit down with it front to back um, waiting for my vinyl. And I want my fucking vinyl. <laughs> I mean, it, it plays a part. I think that, that was like what blew me away with the first colors in, in, in some sense was that it was intentionally musically con- like conceptual. And then like with Great Mr. Wrecked, that was kind of like, I love that album, but that album felt like they were like, well, Colors was a success, so what do we do now? And that it, it was them trying to kind of figure out what the next step was for them. So it did have a continuation like song-wise, but it was kind of like a lot of times they'll do just like an ethereal thing that sticks out and then it goes into the next thing. But they've really gotten into a good uh, swing of like, now it is very intentional. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that helped a lot with with Parallax Two. So Parallax One was an EP, and then Parallax Two was the full length, and that wasn't a marketing thing. That was them being lazy. Parallax, so they were intending on doing a double record, hence Parallax One, Parallax Two, but they didn't want to write two full records, so they wrote an EP, and then they wrote a full length. An EP that's still like thirty, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only three songs. Yeah. Um, so that the the EP flows really well, um, but Parallax Two, that full length, that is conceptual front to back, story wise and musically. So that record truly feels just like it. It like if you 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 can pick out songs from Parallax Two and go, I want to hear just this one, but it do, it will never feel quite right. In context is where it feels its best. Yeah, and it it does play a really big part for me, but it also doubles down on the whole don't listen to this unless you're ready. Like don't, don't, don't try this unless you really want to like dive deep into something. Yeah. This is a bit like, it's the same question, but it might move into another one. But like whenever you're listening to the band, not live, just, you know, because obviously they, sometimes they play albums front to back, but like for the most part, it's, you know, a quote unquote greatest hit show where they pick selections and they may even do like, a 12 minute song, but they'll only do four minutes of it. And they'll start at like a specific spot, which is super cool. How do you typically listen to the band? Is it, you know, do you put on a favorite? Do you like to shuffle their whole discography is, do you pick an album and just listen? Mostly mood based, but um, normally it's a record. Normally I'll go, I want to listen to this one today, but sometimes it's like, I want to hear their heavier stuff or their proggy stuff. So maybe I'll just go through like and go, okay, well, let's just listen to like these songs. And I have shuffled them before and I'm cool with it because I'm familiar with the material, but it, it, it definitely is jarring at times. Yeah. Some of those <laughs> can start just like a, whoa, yeah, this world is existing and I just jumped into it. And then, and then on top of that, like there are just like the minute and half songs that are interludes. Um, they're, they're intentional to just kind of get you, uh, to get you to the next song. Yeah. Uh, so those are like, ah, well, I don't, why the, I don't want to hear this. Go to the next thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always think about this in a weird way because of my education, but like the reason I think that a lot of this music is so hard to listen to is the same reason why people don't listen to classical music anymore. It's a lot. It's a lot of music and people make a night out of going to like going to a symphony, right. And going and watching an orchestra play an entire symphony all night. And that's like, that's kind of the way that I feel about this kind of music and about Biddy Bam is that like, you kind of have to like make an event out of listening to them, which sucks. Yeah. And <laughs> but, unless you're like a super fan, like you, yeah. like a dedicated audience does listen to them every day. But yeah. like, if you're just someone who listens to it like once a week, 
that is what you're saying. It's making an event out of it. Like it is it's effort. It is. It really yeah. is. Well, and that's, that's the thing too, is like with the release of colors too, I've seen so many fans on, on like Facebook pages and subreddits that are talking about how like I have listened to the album seven times, eight times. I'm like, how do you have the fucking time? Yeah. How do you, uh, it makes me think you're not listening. It makes me think that you're just kind of like, dude, you just put it on and you're just accepting that it's there. But it, like, it's, it feels like them bragging at that point. Yeah. You're just checking something off a list. You're not actually like listening. Yeah. It's, it's very strange to me. Um, and I, I, I like, that that also comes from a place where like I feel like a lot of people aren't actually listening sometimes when they're listening to music and they're just kind of existing in it, which is t- totally fine. But like listening to listening to that music takes a lot out of you. You get tired after I leave a Biddy Bam show. I'm tired. Like the the next show they're doing, they're playing for two, probably two plus hours. Yeah, they're I, I'm sure they're tired. But let's talk about me. I'm gonna be really tired. I'm gonna be so exhausted listening to that for that long. Yeah. It's the best kind of tired, but fuck, it's it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, is this also would you consider between the buried and me comfort music to you? Yes. So, at the end of a long gig, so you and Dave do long weekends, long weeks. Uh, you're driving home 3 a.m. from Fort Worth to Denton. That would be something you would put on. Yeah, me and Dave did one recently where we were coming back from a, a, a gig in Fort Worth, and we just put on Alaska and just like let out emotion because that's like their heaviest record but i've done that many times where it's like a this is a decompression thing particularly colors and parallax too are, are decompression albums sometimes where it's like i could fall asleep to those you know people are like you fucking psycho you can fall asleep to someone screaming in your ear but yeah i mean i think that it's i, I like it's it's real it is comforting and it's something that just makes me relax so, you know, kind of getting back to the structure of the band, like one of the things I super like about them and have always admired about them is that they don't typically linger on an idea. Right. And, you know, for most bands, that would be super frustrating to me that like, oh, that sounded great. Can we sit in that space for a little bit longer? But they take this great idea and then they move on to the next and then they move on to the next and they're all really good ideas. And it's not one of... Typically, I mean, they have, you know, a specific album where they tried the traditional structure, which Coma Ecliptic, I love that album. Yeah. Probably my favorite album of theirs. And, but that's just because I like a basic structure. But like on all their other albums, yeah, it's one of those things where it's, you know, they're it's you're not going to hear that part again i'm just sorry to tell you that for the majority of their music they don't linger which yeah. is super cool yeah it is it is super cool and it's this like it's what what makes it even cooler is whenever they they'll write a they'll write a big song and they'll have this whole you know this whole section that sounds like this and this whole section that sounds like this and so you have like your a b c d e f g sections right and then they're going to play more and they might have like this big interlude in the middle might have a breakdown and maybe they come back to like the C section at the very end of the song and it just hits that much harder yep. or they'll like, they'll reference, they'll, they'll, they'll establish like a melody or um, a theme in the beginning of a record and then middle of the record and then end of the record, they'll bring those themes back. It sounds like obvious ideas, but to actually like pull that off to, first of all, to establish a section, right. And then move from a section that already is hard enough. Right. To, to do that movement, but then to have the courage and the ability to, in songwriting, go, okay, this is the right moment to bring back whenever I said goodbye to everything and bring it back again in the middle of the record. 
And I'm going to bring it back again at the end of the record because that obviously is the ending. But how do I, like, how, how can I repeat these themes without being overtly obvious and cheesy, you know? And they've set it up with their fans, much like, you know, George R. R. Martin in the Game of Thrones series. Like, he killed off characters and showed, like, they're not coming back. So they set up, you know, this, you know, established with their fans that, hey, that's not a chorus. That's just a really catchy thing we wrote, and it's never going to come back. So when it does, when they do have sections that do come back, it hits that much harder. Like, mm-hmm. you listen to a pop song, you know the chorus is going to come back, but you don't know that with Between the Barry and Me. So, like, yeah. when it happens, it is just like, a, oh, my God, it's back. Like, uh, I think a really... and. One of my favorite songs of theirs is Specular Reflection, mm-hmm. and it's like a almost 12-minute song on that Parallax CP, and it it has, like, I think there's only one part that repeats itself, and it's the actual clean singing, clean vocals, where he says, mirror, yeah. stare back again, and when that comes back the second time in the song, it hits so hard. Yeah. So, yeah. And then and then to double down on that song, there's the middle section, where it's the rhythmic idea, the bump, bump. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, that took dun, me so dun, long to dun, understand. Dun, dun. They bring that back in Parallax too. Oh shit! Which is just like, uh, you know, you hear feet like you, you you know you hear that you hear that section. You're like, this is such a cool fucking section of a song. It doesn't feel like 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 they're trying too hard. They're writing a really great rhythmic idea, and then the way that Blake plays drums is kind of something that like. I was just talking about this with with some coworkers the other day about like they asked if I liked Tool, they asked if I liked uh, Rush and stuff like that, and I'm like, no, I, I I sometimes like Rush and I don't really like Tool. I'm like, why? I'm like, I feel like whenever you write songs that Tool writes, you, it, it ends up being like, how can I make this clear to you that I'm playing in seven? You know, how can I make this clear to you that this is an eleven groove? You know, that that's so. Who cares? Like, just write a song. And the thing that Biddy Bam does and that what Blake does to give him all the credit in terms of rhythmic stuff is like, if if it's a weird section, it doesn't ever feel weird. It like, yeah, it feels weird, but it's like they're not shoving it in your face. It's that, not out of place. Yeah, yeah. I was just listening to Colors too with with Kara, and she like was listening to it, and she was kind of bobbing her head, and she's like, "Wait, this is in five. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And she was like, I didn't even, I'm like, right? That means it's a good five. That means it feels good. And it's not like one, two, three, four, five. Let me shove this in your face a bunch, which is really just a great way to write songs. And it's hard to do that. So on their new album, they have a song where they have featured drummers. And that's something that's so, (laughs) (laughs) it's the ranch water. (laughs) Damn it. But they trying so hard. They have uh, featured drummers on one of the songs, and that's something that's super cool. And I've never heard a band do that. You hear a featured guitarist, vocalist, whatever, even production, but like a featured drummers, and you would never know. No, but like they told you. Yeah, they told us, which was great. But it was funny because when that single dropped, um, it, it like leaked, and then it like on the comment section of the youtube link there was a comment that was like it sounds like blake has 12 limbs and it's like did you know before you wrote that because did you know their guest drummer spots the coolest thing about the guest drummer spot is that like they actually did it a really a really good i don't know how, i don't know if they used like replacement sounds but it doesn't sound like like if you know the drummer styles then it, you can hear like oh that's portnoy i don't know the other two dudes they're they're really great drummers, but yeah, I was gonna say everyone just knows Mike Portnoy. Yeah, but like if you know Portnoy's style, once you know it's Portnoy, you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. But the sounds didn't change, so it like sounded still like Blake's kit. So like the continuity was still there. Because how jarring would that be if it was like 
four different drum rooms, four different drum sounds. Here's like, Meg White. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that would be the most jarring thing to hear in a song. So at least there was that. There, there was that. So one one quick side story about that song though. There's a cowbell playing the entire time in that drum solo section. Some fucking asshole thought he was real fucking smart at a live show. I saw a video of this. And he brought a cowbell? During the drum solo section, pulled Oof. out a cowbell and wasn't playing in time. It was like someone posted it on like the like the Biddy Bam fan page on Facebook and was like, look how fucking cool this is. I'm like, that's not cool. Dude, let him let him play. That's so I know that guy's like stoked on it, but like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Metal Jesus. fans sometimes. Yep. All right. So here's here's a big question. Okay. And I think I already know your answer, but what would you recommend should be a starter album for uh, the band? And is that your favorite album? So think about that. What's a starter album? And then is that your favorite? Okay. Can I set parameters? Yeah, because you could say something of like, oh, if you like metalcore, this is it. If you like really long uh, heady songs. This one's it. Like, yeah. Well, like I'll, a traditional structure. I'll set this perimeter and I'll say that if you are a metal fan and you've never heard Colors, listen to Colors, the first one. Um, I met someone a few months ago. This they, they were like, I like metal. I'm like, what do you like? And they were showing me like kind of like stuff that's like little screamy but not totally there. But they were getting more into like the heavier and the heavier. And I'm like, do you like? this kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, I kind of do. And I'm like, if you want to get into like heavier and also crazier music, this is, I think the place to go is colors. Um, it, I think, I think it's accessible, but also it, it is a lot to listen to. So if you take the dive, you won't be disappointed, but you have to actually take the dive. Now, if you're just a whatever person and you're like, I just want I don't, I don't listen to metal. This one's for all you, whatever, whatever people. people. Um, if you don't listen to metal and you want to try metal, I mean, it's coma, coma ecliptic is the one you listen to. Um, it's, it's like easily the most accessible album of theirs. It has heavier sections. It has poppier sections. It also has like weird experimental songs. Um, and then it, act, it ends on like, a giant like heavy masterpiece that's really short, um, which is really cool. So it's 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 a great record. My favorite is gonna always be Parallax Two, and that's an album that just takes like a minute to to kind of sit in. I can't I, I can't see that being the dive in album. No, yeah. no, it's like it's, it's got to be Colors or Coma Ecliptic. Yeah, and 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 I will say that if you ha- if you are a big metal fan and you've listened to all kinds of metal and for some reason you've never listened to Biddy Bam, listen to Alaska. Try that out. But the problem with Alaska is that it doesn't give you an idea of what the band is like. It's it like what the band is like now. So if you listen to Alaska first and you're like, this is fucking awesome. And then you go listen to Colors and you're like, this, you're going to be like, this is bullshit. This is fucking, I wanted the heavy thing. <laughs> but what I'm hearing is if, so say you listen to this and you're like, cool, I'm going to go listen to Colors and you're like, whoa, I hate this. Yeah. It sounds like there's other options for you. So yeah. don't completely give up. Yeah. If you don't like colors, you should, it depends on the reason, but like if you wanted heavier shit, just go backwards in their discography. Yeah. If you were like, I liked the the lighter side of it, then go to coma. Uh, you have your options. And if, and if you liked coma, then you can try automata after that. Cause automata has like similar styles, but it's not quite as overtly like clean singing the whole way through. Yeah. So follow up to that question is what do you think, and you may have already answered this, is what do you think their most famous famous uh, or fan favorite song is? I 
find oh. I, I tend to find that uh you know diehard fans disagree on this so i'm, I'm gonna pull up the the spotify oh well this is actually not helpful at all um <laughs> <laughs> this is the opposite of that so I, I really do think that probably like the most liked song of theirs is voice of trespass off of automata 2 i would have thought it was going to be white walls so i would even say before white walls you would have layer ghost to rest or extreme of file elite off of parallax 2 extreme of file elite is like the one that I remember, if you look them up, like live video, they have up. that. Yeah. So I think those those would probably be really good choices. I think if you're talking about colors, White Walls is like an all-time favorite, but most people will reference um, Ants of the Sky or Son of Nothing as like one of their favorites. White Walls is just like an epic masterpiece, and most people just want to hear the White Walls part. Exactly. Which is unfortunate. What, that song's like a, 14 minutes long yeah, or something like yeah. that? So I remember that, yeah. Um, and then, and then again, they did this, uh, they kind of end on these giant masterpieces, but White Walls was like their first one, and then on Great Mr. Rex, Swim to the Moon, which is my favorite song of theirs, hands down. My favorite song by Between the Buried and Me is Swim to the Moon. It is... Uh, heavy it is beautiful it has like really catchy rhythmic ideas it has a breakdown cool whatever it also has the only one of the only drum solos that i will allow and i like because i don't like drum solos but it's a really great drum solo it's short sweet to the point and then as soon as it's done you're straight back into the rhythmic idea that was there before and it's it's great but yeah i don't i i will never get over why voice of trespass is like I, it's just it's it's upbeat i guess and people like that maybe that's why it's like a pop song in that regard but i don't know it's weird i gotta listen to this song i have yeah. no clue what it sounds like oh man i'm excited so i got one more question for you uh but of course we can talk as much as you want about between the buried and me but this band and we've already touched on this a little a little bit that they have a lot of different styles yeah uh they have music that like segues into each other like from front to back do you have a way you would recommend that people listen to them. Do you think that they should just go with what you said and like go listen to uh, these uh, handful of songs? Or do you think it's like, hey, you're not going to get into this unless you like sit down and listen to a record? If you're not an album person, it probably isn't the band for you. But if you if you really aren't an album person and, and you just like listening to songs, if I can, if I can just heavy, heavy suggest... I'll start there. If you're a heavy listener, if you like metal already and you just want to listen to one song... I would say listen to uh, Ants of the Sky off of Colors 1. That would probably be the, the best suggestion I can give you for that. If you're a light listener, if you're like, I, I like clean singing and stuff, um, the Coma Machine is probably the best option I can give you there. Also, there's a good, uh, m- m- one of my favorite songs of theirs is Famine Wolf off that record, yeah, which Wolf's has great. both. Yeah, It has the, the lighter. What I like about Coma Ecliptic is I can sing along with that record. Yeah. I can't scream at all, and I'm too scared to try. <laughs> yeah, so the Coma Machine is is a really is a really great song that um, if, if you're into some, and Famine Wolf too, if you're into some lighter stuff, the cleaner side of it, but you want a little bit of the heavy, bit, like, bitty bam thing. Um, and if you're, if you're definitely just really into heavy shit and you just want you just want to hear heavy i'm the like the song autodidact off of alaska it it has one of my favorite heavy sections to ever exist and the way that they <laughs> mixed it too is so funny the way the breakdown happens it like the there's these three big hits each time and before it gets heavy it goes right left right in the hits um like in the ears yeah but it goes guitar, guitar, and then bass. 
So it sounds super funny whenever the bass is just like, <laughs> right after all the heavy guitar stuff. But it's a really, it's a really great heavy song. So, I mean, like if, if you want to try Biddy Bam and you're not like an album person, that's what you should do. But I, I have a feeling that you might be just wanting more. Um, and then you should try the albums. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's all I had on Between the Barrier and Me. Is there anything that we haven't touched on with the band? It's basically the same guys, right? The whole uh, crew? They, so it was um, Tommy the singer and Paul the guitar player to start. And then Dan joined somewhere along the way in the first like two albums, I think, the bass player. And then they got Blake and Dusty at the same time because they were in another band called Glass Casket together. And they joined at, on Alaska. Um, and that's when like the the lineup was set in stone was on that album. So yeah, so that that's when the lineup was set in stone. It's been those same guys since then. The band's been around for over twenty years now. Um, so it's I mean they've they've been doing it forever and they're nailing it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that if you want to actually like, I think something that a lot of a lot of people like that helps a lot of people like them is going and watching their like recording in the studio YouTube videos. Oh man, those are so good. Yeah. My old roommate, Robbie, he wasn't a big Biddy Bam fan. And then he started to listen to him a little bit. And then he watched those videos and he was like, this is fucking great. <laughs> There's something about that, like behind the scenes shit. That's just so good. They're really funny people. They're all vegan except for one. And they all like, got thick Southern accent. Yeah. They, they got, they got that, they got that North Carolina accent. And, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's like, it's so fun to just watch them talk and they're fucking hilarious. Um, so try that too. If you want to just watch something funny, watch a bunch of fucking awkward metal dudes talk. Cause they're not like your typical metal guys at all. That's the other things that they, they don't act at all like the metal scene. Whenever they tour with like, I think it was job for a cowboy they toured with. And Job for a Cowboy, they're like thick, like beefy metal dudes. They're yeah. your typical metal guys. And they like got up and went on runs every single morning on tour. And they made Diddy Bam work out with them every single day. <laughs> and they fucking hated it. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there. I think that there's something about like the genuineness of the people that comes out in the music. And then I think that it's just, it's just a really great experience if you want to try listening to something. If you're not a metal person, something new. But if you are a metal person, just something that can like really just front to back, just be a journey and you can actually sit and listen to something instead of, you know, like not to shit on August Burns Red, I like August Burns Red since the first name's coming to mind, but like they're, they're writing metal songs and uh, you know, it's, I think personally listening to those kind of albums gets really tiring really fast. I think I mentioned one, oh, fuck, what was the album? Uh, well, there was one by a, a band called Alluvial that came out recently that that was like, this guitar player is fucking awesome, but I can't listen to the same song over and over and over again. And you won't have that feeling with this. You'll yeah. feel like you're listening to an entire thing, which is really great. Yeah. Well, I, I think that is as good as way to end it. Thank you for talking to me about your favorite band. Yeah. Between the Buried and Me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. This is this is this is great. I love this. Yeah. I want people to be able to talk about their stuff. I don't yeah. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. So this was it, and now we can reference that. So uh, if you like coffee, Between the Buried and Me is the band for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's not even explain that. Let's just like, it's a wrap. Dunskies. <laughs>